Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and welcome to another segment of On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. Um, the president of Embassy National Bank, and um, um, did I say this is Joe Moss? Yes. Oh, good. All right. I was writing down these notes and trying to be more formal about this, and uh, I need to go back to being off the cuff. Anyway. Maybe that was a bad idea, Joe. <laughs> anyway. The, the less prepared, the better. Right. Embassy is proud of how we serve small business. Everybody knows what this show is about, and um, today we've got a uh, interesting topic uh from what appears to be a very interesting person um jonathan holmes is with us he's managing partner of mighty eighth media and uh he helps um companies uh with solving marketing challenges and planning for future success and what's interesting about this is he has a uh, finance and accounting background so um jonathan welcome to the show thank you glad to be here so tell me what Mighty Eighth Media does. We're a full-service marketing and creative agency, but specifically we um, line out someone's business objectives and then look at the definite the revenue streams and then kind of figure out from a annual revenue how somebody wants to grow, whether they want to double their revenue, whether they want to grow by 10 15%, and then help, help them kind of define the revenue channel specifically as far as growth strategy and then develop content-specific strategy around building those revenue channels where it could be through a number of vehicles, the traditional media, but also obviously nowadays with some of the digital space and some yeah. of the online mobile, all that. So, what's your what is the deliverable from your firm? What what does the client end up with at the end of the day? Well, part of it is that it's going to match your business plan because it's going to underwrite that is from a revenue perspective, and then from there, then you look at basically your demographic from an audience perspective as well as what you need to do. Obviously, if it's a B2B business that's selling gaskets or trivets, they will have one strategy as opposed to a consumer-facing product. They will have to look at many demographics depending on what the product is. It might be from the teens all the way through the 80-year-old folks. So you can imagine that we communicate differently with the teens than we do 80-year-old people. So, so do you also assist in, in um, uh, where the market is and who to contact and some uh – assistance and how to actually get that message out there absolutely okay. because part of it is that if you look at it from the standpoint of what somebody wants to do from a growth strategy <clears throat> they've either got to get more business from their current customers or they've got to gain market share so just like you if somebody's fighting a battle um on a field they've got to know where to put the troops and then what kind of weapons they're going to use Mm-hmm. So we try to take a kind of a bird's eye view so we understand what someone needs to do and what resources they need where and then what they feel like they're getting their best return on the dollars. Okay. Um, what's your background? Tell us about your background. You came from University of South Carolina. Yes, sir. I guess you don't want to talk about two weeks ago. No, I told a friend of mine, um, a big Georgia fan, that that was well-deserved because I felt like all those years that Spurrier was at Florida that they probably felt better that things were kind of reset and they felt good that, they put 50 on Spurrier, so I didn't feel any ill will from that. So, Well, well maybe that uh, – and that they may have – that might be the one the, – the game that sends Spurrier to retirement. You right, just exactly, never know. Exactly. So, so who knows? 
interesting. But your uh, your degree down there is in finance and management. Correct, yes. So how did you transition from finance and management into marketing? Specifically, I wanted to, at some point, I was actually going to, in your shoes, I was actually going to be a banker. And then kind of got into the financial sector and then had an opportunity to work with a gentleman that was a startup business and actually was a distributor of t-shirts and sweatshirts and it was one of the largest and so I developed an automated accounting system and so I kind of cut my teeth and then the financial sector and then um, at that point thought about going back to get my CPA thought they, I would go the accounting route and decided I didn't want to do that <clears throat> so then I started doing some consulting with some nonprofits and then moved into the marketing business from there okay um so what do you, when you go into a company, what are what are some of the things that you see that uh, are common areas of improvement across whatever all the businesses that you've seen? I find typically that people will they'll look at their their top revenue, but they don't take the time to examine their tiered revenue as far as maybe they get the revenue from three or four different channels, and then they the amount of money they invest in each of those tiers. Um, is not very well planned. Um, I met with a gentleman the other day that spent 87% of his marketing dollars on 12% of his revenue. And that was a revenue channel that really was had only limited potential. And so basically aligning those dollars to make sure you get the most bang for your buck and get the greatest return on investment. So you're fo- then you go and look at the revenue stream and you mm-hmm. break it up by by tier, you mean by product, channel, segment? It, however it is. Okay. You know, it, could, it could be, and then our company, we don't specialize in any vertical. We've got a pestle company. We've got a heat air business. We've got a technology. We have um, a credit union bank. And so we look at all those different channels for somebody. Um, so... The, the biggest area of improvement, then, is is getting the, the dollars focused on where the revenue Correct. is coming in. Right. You look at profitability as Absolutely. well? Absolutely, yeah, because part of it, we have to know what that what that profitability is and also then also what makes sense as far as investing in that. And then, too, is that I'll have the conversation about equity as well. You know, I have to know where somebody wants, if they want to keep their business for three years and or they're trying to value it up to where they can sell it. So I need to know those things as far as what makes sense as far as using the dollars they need to grow their business. And companies that uh, that you walk into and and say, boy, you're really doing this well. What are some of those areas? Some of the things from operation standpoint, like typically, we prefer to work with companies that are really well run, that aren't telling their story accurately and have opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. So typically, on the operational side, it's not really an issue. It's more of how people don't know something. It's almost like. You know how you'll find a restaurant that people don't know about and you really want, you've had a great time and you want to tell everybody about that. Those are the kind of clients we look for because we love to tell their story. And, and typically in a small business, one that's been started by someone, they tend to be, some of them very marketing oriented, Correct. but a lot they're, of them are right. not. They're, Correct. they're very analytical and fundamental right. oriented. So I bet you see that a lot. Correct. Uh, being able to just tell the story. Right. Um, it's it's interesting you say that because I've said about Embassy before we're the best uh, untold story in Atlanta mm-hmm. and uh, we need to do a better job with that ourselves. Our producer, thank you, is nodding well, his head. Even so, like a personality, so like you mentioned, the people that are in that, it's like a lot of people try to be somebody they're not, or they take their company and try to be something they're not, and really trying to make sure we define that too. <clears throat> okay. Um, getting specific to the industries that we deal with in in our in our uh, organization, 
for example, a, a hotel, mm-hmm. um, they may probably need to go through and examine their revenue stream and figure out how much of it is coming from corporate, how much of it is community oriented, right, how right. much of it is transit, and uh, and then focus their advertising dollars Correct. accordingly. Exactly. Because part of it is that then you have to look at, like, I actually had lunch with somebody today, and they were referral based, like you said, that maybe come from corporate or come through an 800 number, but then they recognize that that's business, but they only make like five or ten dollars off of that one particular referral. Where if they actually develop something that had a more of a local strategy, then the dollars that actually net would be much greater. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, airlines ought to do this. <laughs> Anyway, don't get me on a tangent. I don't even know why that popped in the my bus head. With the but, wings. Uh, but um you know, but product line analysis and profitability, I mean that's that's key to understanding the the the, the profitability potential of any company. Right, right. Um and I've seen that where people spend a lot of money on one particular area, but that's where they're getting their what's where they're getting clobbered. Right. Um what, and and we also do a lot of work with C stores, convenience stores. I think their deal is kind of easy because you know they they make their money selling tobacco, alcohol, and, right. and lottery tickets. Right. And you know the gasoline is there just so people come right. in, but right. they don't make a lot on gasoline. I wonder if they right. should change their marketing focus to try to get out to the people that are buying the alcohol and the and the uh, and the tobacco. That's where, though, you look at that as far as how, the, how you know, grocery stores will put the milk all the way in the back of the store. So yeah. you have to, the consumer has to walk all the way through. So there's different strategy. And, you know, obviously that business, they know what drives someone. And the gotcha products they put in uh, right. as I'm walking out. <clears throat> Correct. All the stuff with the sugar. Right. As soon as I walk in, you know, the grocery stores are actually very, very good at it. Um, so um, within your company, who are some of the... Uh, uh, industries that you focus more on do you have an industry um uh proficiency in, in anybody or you just cross all the what are way, some of the more interesting well, ones you've worked with how about the that way, well the way we actually pick our clients is actually by the personality of the owners more than the product talk about that a little bit is that um when my business partner and i started our company we got tired of people in the business that weren't focusing on the right thing as far as driving the revenue and being a good client you know for somebody and also the way you had a relationship so specifically when i talked to somebody like in fact i just got back from jacksonville looking at a company down there and i had to go down there smell the air meet some of the leadership because they can look at us all day but i'm looking at them just as hard because i have to know how they're treating their employees how they go about doing business and then if they're going to be a great cultural, good cultural fit for us as well. So saying it another way, I guess a company is going to have to be adaptive to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to want to have to listen. They're going to correct. They, they want you to be there. Correct. You don't want a combative kind of exactly. environment. The way I tell everybody all the day long is that, you know, <clears throat> I'm just like a CPA and an attorney. And if you choose to listen to me, that's great. If not, then that's your choice. If you want to deal with IRS as far as the financial, that's your business. But marketing is a little different when it comes to revenue because everybody thinks they know what marketing is. And they understand the trends. They understand what the demographics are doing. And that's a good point. Um, somebody used, somebody 
said this to me one time is that everybody's a marketing expert they are yes everybody's got their ideas correct so um but i'm sure you've got companies where the leader the the owner is frustrated doesn't know what's going on Mm -hmm. but at the same time the um maybe the the employee base is frustrated so you you kind of you have to play that dynamic a little bit as well right right because part of it is that when we actually will go in we'll do a lot of interviews with with the staff leadership and also with their customers to kind of find out really what sets that person what that sets that company apart and then this is the internal role just as much external when we start changing the the way people communicate with the company the way they have their products set up the way they sell their products and things then some of the dynamics going to impact in the way the internal structure is set up and the way the internal people perceive it um, you're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is Joe Moss, your moderator. We're talking with Jonathan Holmes of Mighty Eighth Media about his uh, his uh, marketing firm. Um, but you're actually doing a strategic overhaul, are you not? Correct. So when you go in and, and do, what is your, everybody has trouble with the elevator pitch. What is your elevator pitch? What do you, when someone says, what do you do? What, what do you do? What do you tell them? What's your quick answer? Marketing that creates revenue. Okay. So you go in as a marketing uh, product, but it's actually more of a strategic <clears throat> review of the company. But also, though, my business partner and I kind of act as kind of a, a board member level for the owners of the company. So at the end of the day, it's just you kind of go toe-to-toe as far as what somebody wants to do, whether someone wants to go, because I have to hear the pain of the business owner before I can make recommendations as for what kind of marketing would work pain of the business mm-hmm. owner right i like that phrase um but and it, maybe that's important for any small business to, to think right. about is what brings you pain right what confuses what's you? not happening what and i asked the number one question i ask is what what makes your cash register ring and what can you do to make it ring more often uh that's a that's a good question but i also like how you pursue the in banking we call it the four c's of credit or five mm-hmm. c's of credit i forget but one of which is character. So you're kind of looking at the character of the company as well. Right. And if it's a, I guess you run in situations where somebody wants you there and not everybody wants you there. How do you make that choice? If, if the, if the big dog wants you there, but nobody else wants you there, what do you do? We make sure everybody's on the same page. Okay. You ever turned down a job? Absolutely. Okay. Have we uh, fired a client? Yes, we have. Okay. Have they ever fired you? Yes, they have. <laughs> That's everybody. Yeah, that happens. Um, in my previous years, I was in the consulting business, and I did a lot of work for a very, very large bank. Mm-hmm. And I got, uh, I thought the project was going well, and the, and the CEO called in and said, uh, "You're not doing much." I said, "Well, what are you talking about?" I said, "No one's complaining." So his his focus was. Unless I was really, really pushing and maybe making people complain, then he didn't think I was pushing hard enough. So uh, you probably run into that example as well. Sometimes, yes. Okay. Um, so what's the um, – give us an idea of what your uh, latest or your, your largest success story is. Wow. It's, it's, that's, it's, that's actually one of the hardest questions to answer. Because, again, we're so segmented by sector because we've got one business that's heating air. We've got one business that's a mitigation banking firm out in California. So it's really determined by what they view as success. But one 
one thing that I'm most proud about is that the one of our the client that's the heating air business when the market dropped by thirty percent, their revenue stayed constant. So they did not they did not feel the impact of everything else, the entire market dropping. So we felt really good about them and helped them continue to grow every year. How did that happen? Through what effective did, play well, through 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 strategic marketing. How we're doing the stuff and making sure that, you know, people engage, but also it's telling the again, it's kind of telling the right story. Authenticity is huge. That's why when we deal with somebody, we have to make sure that they are cultural fit because we can't do fake. I've got to have somebody that's authentic, somebody that really is a company that wants to treat their customer good and have honest communication because authenticity, where people think they can fool a consumer, can fool a customer, is so it's not realistic because at the end of the day, people can smell it, they can taste it, they can feel it. That's true for every it goes, it goes down to the molecular level, and people don't recognize that, even when they're looking through some, some something as simple as social media. So, <clears throat> and that's true with anybody, isn't right. it? Right. Uh, you, you can tell if someone is on the, if you're talking to somebody on the phone, whether they're authentic or not, whether exactly. they believe it. Exactly. Um, especially in heating air. You know, we right. do our work with uh, at home with right. the people. We know them on a first-name basis, right. and that's we like that. Exactly. Everybody comes out, they're bought into the program, and they do good work. Right. Um, and what turns me off the most if, is if um, I'm told one thing, and then I get there and observe and feel something different. Correct. You feel like you've been lied to. Right check into a hotel you think it's be a great hotel but uh and someone meets you at the front door and they treat you real nice but then once you get to the front desk and it's all downhill right that really you really scratch your what's the point of the guy at the front door right yeah so um well that's a good very good point as far as like somebody like a business owner is that like you're saying is that people want that brand experience follow all the way through no matter how you're doing stuff, whatever your product is, whatever you're selling. Now, do you help with that? or Absolutely. All right, and how do you help with that? What are some of the things that you do in order to try to make that happen? Well, part of it is that you have to look at kind of how you focus culture, how you focus kind of your message, how you focus who you are. You identify that, and then you kind of get something to kind of, you know, you can kind of hold a light up and say, this is who we are. This is how we're going to be different because a lot of people don't understand how they're different. A lot of people get worried about, okay, you know what? I'll answer the phone after 7 o'clock at night to make sure one of my clients is taken care of. Is that a differentiator? Absolutely, it's a differentiator. We don't we don't charge people. You know, We give everybody a flat price. We don't charge people a certain way based on how much we feel like money they can make. That's a differentiator. Absolutely. So it's making sure those authentic business practices are followed. Um, a lot of that is uh, communication, mm-hmm. but even with the employee base, the, right. whoever communicates that to right. the employee, they've got to feel like that person is Correct. authentic right. as well. Exactly. No one buys into the story anymore. Correct. Because they can go other places. Exactly. Okay. Now you mentioned um, social media. Um, you got to be what you say you are. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that a big issue where you put something up on social media that makes you feel like you're all that and then, but the company really isn't, um, how big of an issue is that out there? How, how often do you see that disconnect? Well, part of it, when somebody does that, it's almost where if, if someone's not authentic as the way they're communicating the product, communicating the company is that they can have some immediate success. But part of it is that it's almost like the, 
it's kind of be chipped away is that people will start seeing that feeling that understanding like you said is that as people deal with this company if they're not delivering what they say they're going to deliver or there's an offer that's not fulfilled correctly or there's something they say we have 24-hour service or we deliver up to eight o'clock at night if those things are not if those things are not followed through then any value prop that we put out there is for a marketing differentiator if it's not fulfilled then it, then people find out that it's not valid and the company takes a hit yeah that's a good point um you're listening to on the money brought to you by embassy national bank this is joe moss and we're talking to jonathan holmes at mighty eighth media who runs a um a marketing firm that helps companies better identify to their revenue streams as you say by product uh by customer um we're talking a little bit more about that about uh things that a company to go to make them make them different mm-hmm. here on the the whole question of authenticity uh matching your marketing to who you are right and if you don't match who you, who you are to the marketing, you're going to create a disconnect with your customer base that ultimately will start chipping away at your revenue. Correct. Um, well, let's talk about that because you, so if, if a, a small business then I get the the leader or leaders um, have to define who they are, mm-hmm. have to be realistic about who they are right but also where they want to be like in three to five years correct um but they need yeah sure but they, revenue, they, revenue revenue targets because if you don't have a target you don't if you don't know where you're going then any road will get you there right <laughs> and 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 so you got to put all that together and then you've right. got to communicate that correct. not only have you got to you you got to communicate that to your to your employees correct. and then turn around and, and communicate right. it to your customers right and then your shareholders depending on what the situation is but all of that requires you to take a real hard analytical study about who you are and who your company is. Correct. Because you have to deliver authenticity. Correct. So look in the mirror and make those changes before Correct. you go out there because people will just go, oh, here it comes again. Right. Um, how often do you see that where there's a dis- where the leadership thinks there are something and they really aren't? Is that a big problem? The thing that I find is, is even with me when I first started, um, started became an entrepreneur, is everyone thinks to be an entrepreneur or to run a business successful, they've got to be like Donald Trump. That's very confrontational. That you know has is very crass. Just matter of fact, and you know it's not a win-win if they're ink a deal with somebody that's got a win-win situation. That's always one side is at advantage. Mm-hmm. Is that people are most successful when they are who they are. And that DNA comes out in their business. And they're passionate and Correct. their passion shows. Exactly. And they, and they do good work. Right. So it goes back to the, all those old theorems. Correct. Passion sells, do good work, do what you say you're going to do. Absolutely. How many times did you hear that growing up? A lot. <laughs> um, um, so if in, in, in situations where a small business is struggling, uh, they want to blame it on the economy. They want to blame it on this and that. Um, how often have they correctly found the cause of why they are struggling? Is that is that a is that tough for people to realize what actually is making them struggle? Sometimes, but that's where when you really look at the revenue streams, 
and then define what is actually preventing it from you from those different steps that someone can actually take to generate revenue, you quickly identify what might be some hurdles. And it might be even an employee. I've, <clears throat> I'm not going to say that we haven't worked with a company that certain employees were invited to come step off the bus because <laughs> they recognized that they were not a cultural fit anymore once the organization's changed. Well, and a lot of times that'll just happen naturally. It does. It does. If you, you know, train them, people will step away. Right. Um, it's interesting. So do you help mostly with people who are doing very well, who are doing poorly, uh, kind of um, stuck in the middle? We're, who who typically hires you in that regard? It's really, well, it, it's really all of the above. Because okay. if you think about it, everybody has a certain business cycle. And so that's actually one of the things we also look at as an individual company's business cycle. And my experience was the better companies were the ones that always hired me because that's why they were good. Not because right. they hired me, but right. because they also always had the desire to try to look right. at themselves right. and analyze where they right. were and where they were going. Right. And always improve. And the and the companies that were kind of stuck were those that thought they knew it all uh, and they didn't want to be objective. Uh, and the floundering ones, oh, man, all, yeah, just, it was always difficult. The Typically, the owner just felt like he could do everything, and the employees were there just to push the buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to all that, uh, you, you've got to have a set of products that make you money, and they've got a margin. Right. And, they, and they're a little bit different. I mean, in, in today's world, um, it's tough to create a differential. Uh, it seems like um, it's all been invented already. You're, you're shaking your head. I disagree. <clears throat> all right, good. <clears throat> because then it's just about your leadership and your passion. And everybody has different passion, different leadership skills. Mm-hmm. If that comes out in who you are and the way you deliver your product, that's your differentiator. I tell everybody along, I'm, Five eight on a good day. The Hawks are not recruiting me to play center. Therefore, I can knock on the door of the Atlanta Hawks all day long and say I want to play center, but I'm no. not going to be that person. Um, and it takes a little bit of uh, introspective look uh, and maybe a little uh, humbleness to be able to make that make that decision. So find your way. Find right. find where you're find where you're good. And people, and that again, one of the things through everything that's out there now is authenticity is critical. Mm-hmm. And so, if you cut to chase in the fluff, then as far as like, this is the product, this is how we're delivering it. And again, as far as the cash registering, then you can will be successful. Okay. Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the macro piece of this thing. As you're out there talking with business leaders, what are you hearing these days? What type of things are you looking for specifically? Um, how the economy's doing? Uh, what's bothering them? Um, what are some of the good things you're hearing about what's right. going on? What's the mood? It's a growth. It's a growth. It's a growth phase. Whether I would say everything's hunky dory as far as the people willing to take a lot of cash off their balance sheets now and throw it to speculative stuff. That's a, that's you know there. But I think that's just the culture of the climate we came out of. As far as banks, as far as lending, things like that, is that people want to grow, but the way they're growing, they're being more strategic in how they do it. 
and they're more careful. We did Correct. get, yes. you know, especially banks got clobbered. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> you know, the the good ones didn't get clobbered. They they mm-hmm. pulled back a lot, but uh, you know, the ones that just thought everything was going to be great um, tried to follow the herd. Were the ones right. that got spanked, right? And they needed to get spanked, right? But I think all of us, whether it be bankers, small business leaders, or whatever, we learned an awful lot during correct um, eight two thousand eight two thousand ten, right? Those were ugly times. They were. I don't want to go back. Neither do I. <laughs> At all. I don't want to go back. I was telling uh, a potential loan customer. He was frustrated because I wasn't buying his story, and I finally looked at him. He said, "You know." Um, I'm trying to keep you out of trouble, and because um, I don't want to start you off on a bad foot. And a lot of times in the banking world, we're putting up eighty percent of the capital, and all we're getting this little crumbly return. And they're the ones that are going to get all the upside, but they're not necessarily going to experience the downside. So, um, interesting that and then they they kind of looked at me and went, "Yeah, I get what you're saying." So, um. We've all learned about what who we are and what we should be doing. Um, do you go up? You mentioned Jacksonville. You mentioned somewhere out in the Midwest. Yes, California, Sacramento. Okay. And so what other areas of the country are you about in? About 75% of our business is in metro Atlanta. Oh, it is? Okay. Yes. And that, a lot of it's service-based, some schools, some um, government entities. And so specifically, um, we do work in different sectors. And we do have people that will look us look through look at us and find us through different referrals networks and things like that. How do you market to schools and governments? How does that work? Well, part of it is that you got to realize again, like you said, it's communication, and so it's really kind of how things are being communicated to. It could be curriculum based, it could be recruiting teachers, it could be a number of things. Because I've always been frustrated trying to market to governments because it's tough to they can't make right, a decision right. right. Um, and it's tough for them to kind of change horses. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. The um, Do you do any work out in uh, the, the oil energy boom states? Mm-hmm. Never have? Not a lot. No, Okay. Sir. And uh, you mentioned down towards Jacksonville and Florida. Yes. Anything different down that way than what we're seeing up here in metro Atlanta? I would say here in Atlanta is probably much stronger growth areas from the standpoint of leadership as far as business climate mm-hmm. and i think they're still kind of thawing out a little bit more than that area yeah the city of atlanta is, <clears throat> is uh seems to be doing quite well we're right. financing some projects actually downtown one right. right next to the new stadium and um boy that place is happening down there a lot going on in that area and i asked someone what's the most what's the next big boom place of atlanta and they said um uh, that area west of the stadium. Um, now I can't remember the name. Do you know, Mr. Producer? You know the name right there. Duet. It was um, Arthur Blank and his foundation bought it all up, or a lot of it up. Pine. I think it's Pine. The football stadium or the baseball? The new ba- the new football stadium. The new f- I'll look it up for you and let you know. <laughs> Thank you. But anyway. Those are some boom areas, but if you go downtown, just about everywhere, it's starting to happen again. I mean, it's right. getting big quick. Um, what what does Atlanta do differently than other cities that you have found that make it a little bit more successful or not? Um, 
I would you must say, have a feel I would say, for that. I say it's more of the leadership as far as people wanting to lead in certain industries as opposed to following. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they'll look to see what other people are doing in other sectors. And that's one thing about the, and I guess it's like most cities, is that you need to have people that are want to be drivers as opposed to followers. Have you um, have you noticed the multiple counties getting in the way of each other here in Atlanta? I haven't noticed a whole lot myself. Okay, okay. I'm I'm one of the oddballs that likes the county based government. So, do you like the what? I like the county based government. There you go. Okay. Um. Well, it's uh. It's an interesting time we're in because Atlanta is booming everywhere, but and and in some sectors it does feel like a little bit of a bubble, like we haven't learned anything. But in others, it just feels like there's a natural growth spurt, like things were held back and now it's moving again. So uh, it's an interesting time. Um, Well, we've reached the end of our show. And um, uh, give some helpful ideas to to the small business person that's that's listening that, uh, that you would think would be of assistance to them. Make sure you always thank your client. And make sure to ask for someone to refer you your business and see how you can do better service for them. So the old axiom, the best source of new revenue is your existing customer base. Exactly. I think that's true across the board. your customer a passionate fan of your business. And you got to do that through authenticity. And exceptional customer service that goes all the way through your organization. Right. And the other thing we learned today is don't try to be somebody you're not. Correct. Don't portray yourself one way on Facebook and marketing and be completely opposite when they walk in the door. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Joe, the uh, is it the West Side neighborhood? You're looking for, for English Avenue or Vine City? Vine City. Next next Now big, we can sleep well tonight. Next big boom area of Atlanta. Really need to buy some land in Vine City is what you're saying. Well, a lot of houses that need to um to be purchased and renovated and okay so um just you heard it here first (laughs) get your loan at embassy national bank exactly right you want to go tear down some houses come talk to us we'd love to hear from you among other things that we do okay well jonathan thanks for the time today thank you i enjoyed the conversation and um i I do want to spend a couple minutes here on this last paragraph because i think it's something that you should feel pretty proud of uh talk about what you've done with the carolina children's home help raise several million dollars for finish the capital campaign for them to help secure the future of that organization so that was really you know one of those things if i wasn't doing that i'd be playing helping take care of kids that at risk youth. so that's one of my big passions residential facility for at risk youth yes so give me an idea of what the typical youth would typically be. that would be somebody that had been through foster care Someone okay. that might have not had a very, very good family situation. Now, are they living there? They are. And uh, until time to go to college? 18, 22, right. Okay. Oh, until they turn 22. Yes. Some, well, it's, it's some of being like an offset, offset, off-site campus location where kind of have counselors, and you know, where almost like if you had a regular family, you'd kind of have support of your parents up until you got ready to be mm-hmm. on your own. Same situation okay. there. And uh, if the people Google Carolina Children's Home, will they see that? <clears throat> it's more. It's become more of a treatment center. Okay. Eating disorder. And so that's what it was back in 
when I was at that point. So. Okay. Um, seems like you're doing some good stuff down there. Are you stay involved in that? I haven't as much. No, sir. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, good. Um, well, thanks for your time today. Glad you. you were on the show. And um, just just wrap this up. Um, this has been On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. It's brought to you by Embassy National Bank, where we are proud of how we serve small business on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at on underscore the underscore money and then the number one. So on the money with the number one. And uh, you can listen to any of our episodes at onthemoney.businessradiox.com. And we're also free on iTunes. Um, so till next time, I'm Joe Moss with Embassy National Bank. And uh, let's be careful out there. Leave fear in the back seat. And I'm going to add another one to it. Stay authentic. So until next time, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.